Here's an idea. Let's have somebody fake that they're an active shooter. Sometime during school, we won't tell anybody what's going on. Because usually when we do lockdown drills, they're pre-announced and everybody knows what's happening. This way, it'll catch everybody by surprise and we'll be able to see how they react. Never mind that they haven't had any training. This was an idea at a school, and I was called yesterday to get my opinions about it. On today's Coffee with Alan, I'm going to share why that is such a terrible idea. I appreciate you joining me. I have my I'm a ray of sunshine cup this morning because I am a ray of sunshine and going to bring you some practical advice on this terrible idea with this school. Now, I applaud them that they want to do something. They're trying to do something to keep their teachers, staff, and students safe. And that is always good. However, surprising people like that without training is not a good idea. Going to say good morning to Randy. Appreciate you joining and saying hello. Jay, yes, wow. And it's not the first time. If we look back a few years ago, I remember an incident where they put the custodian put on a, a ski mask and had a fake gun, or maybe it was just an unloaded gun, and was at coming to the school like it was going to be an active shooter to see how people would react. I mean, that's a good way for people to get hurt or killed. And it does nothing to help the staff prepare when they haven't had training of what to do. You're just scaring people and students with no end result that's positive. Now, when I did the training that had live scenarios where we were firing blanks in schools and we had instructors in padded suits that they could beat up if they breached the barricades or other things, we did a full day of, you know, half day of training first training people what to do in situations, giving them tools and information and how to do things. And then we made sure it was a safe environment when we did those scenarios. And it takes a team of people to make it safe. And we still sometimes had injuries and we still traumatized some people. They, they because of whatever in their history or whatever, they were traumatized and they had to have help with that. And we never had students there. And so just to blatantly go in there and start scaring students and teachers and staff, what a terrible idea. I want to say good morning to Kellen. I want to say good morning to Dixon. Not quite the same as real man drill, red man drills in a self-defense classes. It's not. And the scenario training that we did with the Safari Land training that I used to be at one of their instructors, great training. However, it has to be done properly. It has to have training and teaching first. Then you have to have the scenarios in a safe environment and make it as safe as possible. And nobody loses. You know, and this goes back with when I used to work with Peyton Quinn and we used to do the stress training there down in Colorado. Nobody loses. You put people under stress and you let them win. And if somebody froze or did something wrong, we would redo scenarios to ensure that they would win and have a positive outcome. That's how you reinforce training and education. You don't have people lose. You don't have people killed and expect that to help them learn and grow and be prepared for an actual situation. So there's a lot into that kind of training. And you don't just wing it by having somebody pretend they're an active shooter scaring people. Now, this went one step further because the person who called me, her daughter works at the school with autistic kids. I know a little bit about that. My wife works with autistic and special needs children in schools. 
you can't teach them by scaring them and traumatizing them. There's nothing productive that's going to come from that except a traumatized student. And you're asking for lawsuits from the parents. So we cannot do that with those kind of students because they don't understand it's going to traumatize them. Nothing good about that. Another thing that they brought up is they ask another active shooter trainer who told them, well, you have to be quiet, you know, shut the, you know, you want the room dark and you want it quiet when you do a lockdown, which is true. That is the preferred thing to have the shades and everything dark and everybody quiet. If a killer does not see you or hear you, good chance they're going to continue on looking for somebody else and you're going to be safer there. However, when that person said, well, the autistic kids with the... that they're going to be screaming stuff we can't keep them quiet the trainer's response was well then you better just run for the beeline for the nearest exit and get out of there that's not practical advice you know my work my wife works with these kind of kids as does my friend's daughter they have students in wheelchairs they have blind students they have autistic kids that cannot just run on their own they need that help and often like i know in my wife's situation you know they have like four people with like 13 kids you, you're not going to have those 13, some in wheelchairs, one of them's blind, just say run and get to safety. It's not going to happen. That's not practical. And my friend's daughter was in the same kind of situation. It was not practical to just try to, all those autistic and special need kids to just run and escape and expect them to know where to go on their own. The best thing for those situations is an effective lockdown. And then one of the things you can do, and a lot of times they'll have these for autistic kids, is they'll have the headphones. And you put those on to help keep them more calm so not hearing that outside stimulus, the alarms or gunfire or whatever is going on to help try to keep them quiet. And if you can't keep them all quiet, you do the best you can. And that's why you want to have a really good fortified place for them to lock down. And some schools have it and some schools don't. We often just have to live with what we're given in that environment. And then you have a means to defend yourself in case that was breached. Fire extinguishers I teach, reflex protect I teach, you know, an armed school resource officer on campus is also a good thing. And I am for having an armed police officer present at schools to keep things safe. And those should not be officers that aren't the best officers. So let's just put them over to the school to give them something to do, which some organizations have been known to do that. Not all, but some. We want some of the best officers there to protect our children. And they not only tactically and brave that they're going to stop a killer, but they need to have the interpersonal skills to work and interact with the students at the school. And we need good men and women in those positions as police officers, student resource officers that can work and interact with the students and they're there for an emergency. So that's something we can do as well, as well as hardening the targets, making sure we have effective lockdowns because those are proven to keep students safe in these situations. Giving teachers tools such as Reflex Protect, which is a non-lethal tool that they can use in a classroom. And most teachers, that they don't want to be soldiers. They don't want to be police officers. That's why they became teachers. They will more readily accept a non-lethal tool than a firearm in their classroom. And I've taught thousands and thousands of teachers around the country. And yes, there are some that will carry a firearm 
but way more would more readily take a non-lethal tool than a lethal one. And so that's why there is that tool. And people that say, well, you don't take a spray to a gunfight. We're not taking the spray out to go after the killer like a police officer would. It's a last ditch thing if they breach the barricade. And in Oregon, we did have the student stop a killer with a shotgun using his pepper spray. So sprays can be a tool. They have worked. And it's just, it's something, it's one layer of many things for protection. But the key here is we need to have good training and appropriate training to empower people so they're not living in fear. And we can't do things such as a willy-nilly, let's scare people with a drill, unprepared. They don't have the knowledge or the education or the training to do respond. So we're just going to scare everybody and see what happens. Well, the motive behind the idea was good. They're thinking safety. They want teachers, staff, and students to be safe. The means of doing it, that's not the way to do it. You want to get good training. If you want to take it to the higher level where you actually have those scenarios with live blanks being fired and such, it has to be done with a team of qualified instructors that can make sure it's done safely and appropriately. One of the reasons I don't do that training now and the training I do through Reflex Protect with the active shooter drills is because it does take a team and it does require some physicality that often has injuries. Even in the safest environments that we could create, sometimes there are injuries. And a lot of businesses that I teach at, they don't want the risk associated with the workman comp claims. So we can do the active shooter training and teach information without the risk and that's what more organizations are going to and appreciate. We also have to shut down the area, the complete area, when we do that live firing blanks and different things. And many of the businesses and organizations that I teach at cannot do that. Often I teach multiple classes throughout the day and they're cycling people through and keeping the businesses open, whether that's a hospital, a bank, you know, different organization. I've done that for all these kind of organizations and they need to cycle people through so we can't shut everything down and start firing blanks. And that's one of the reasons I don't do that training anymore. There are groups out there that do. Um, I would recommend if you do that kind of training, it's somebody with the Safari Land certification. They're probably the best at that. And if the organization has a team of Safari Land trainers, they can conduct that training in the safest manner possible, which still can produce some injuries. And I have known of some training such as that where lawsuits have come about because the instructors weren't as safe as they should have been. So that's just something to think about. I'm going to talk a lot more and I'm going to listen a bunch tomorrow because I'm going to have special guests, Jason Brick and Nick Hughes on. And the three of us are going to share more about active shooters and keeping schools and other locations safe. I just wanted to bring this up this morning because it was a telephone call that I got yesterday afternoon. So be sure to tune in tomorrow for a lot more listening to Nick Hughes. He was a member of the French Foreign Legion, been a security specialist for years, has written books and DVD programs and live trainings around the country, around the world, actually, because he's lived abroad. And so wealth of information. We got Jason Brick, another author, Safest Family on the Block, has written about this topic and others about safety. And the three of us are going to try to share a bunch of practical, useful information to help people help keep people and organizations safe from active killers that you know we seem to hear about almost all the time. 
So tune in tomorrow for that. Have a fantastic day. Be a ray of sunshine.